as we started last week, we started a new series. And um, we are in a brand new series. Normally we speak uh, expository sermons where we're going through books of the Bible. But this summer, I decided to do something a little different because we're in the infancy of our church. You know, we're still a little baby, you know, church kind of, you know, doing big things. But, you know, still kind of, you know, we got, we're, we're working, um, you know, kind of getting out of the stroller, you know, getting into the walker and kind of, you know, doing this thing, you know, pooping all over the place and as well. Uh, uh, we're, we're, we're. As we're growing, you know, new people are coming and some people are here, familiar faces around. Um, our, our, our expectation right now is that we're believing that. And I said this to our team and I said this in Vive group the other day. I believe the church of Vive six months from now is going to look a lot different from right, what it is right now. I, I really believe that God is going to usher and bring people into this place that you never thought would be possible being in this place. I mean, we're going to see a diversity of different types of people, young and old, black and white, Hispanic, everyone coming to. And in six months, I, I believe what you see right now, I mean, we got through this pandemic and we're still getting through it and we're still making, but thanks be to God that, that this is, we're just getting started. We've only just begun. And that's been our theme for this entire year, believing right now that we're growing something for what's going to happen and we're going to reap a harvest later on. Anybody believe that today? And so right now in this stage that we're at, it's important for us to understand who we are. I believe that our core values, and it's been our sermon series talking about core values. This is who we are. It's an important time to go over each of these values because I firmly believe that you behave based on what you value. If you're going to act like someone, you're, you're going to behave based on what you value. I'll give an example. I love my wife. And if I value my wife, what am I going to do with her? I'm going to show her love, appreciation. I'm going to, I'm going to speak things to her, good, nice things. I'm going to spend time with her, invest into her. I mean, go out to eat with her and, and, and listen to her and love her. And if you value something, you're going to behave based on that. A lot of churches don't know what they value. So therefore, you, you get all these different types of results. For us, I want to be very clear with eight values. If you walk in, we have a banner in the front that, that shows our values. You can go to our website as well. And I don't want you to necessarily repeat them. What I want you to do is live them. Because it's important for us to understand who we are as a church. Because as this church grows, there's seats all around you and space all around this gym but as this church grows, every single person that comes on has to come with that same DNA, that culture, understanding who we are. So today, last week, we talked about uh, Jesus is our message, meaning there's a lot of different types of messages that churches can preach about. But our goal, our vision is to preach Jesus as the main core message of what we can preach about. Not counterfeit gospels or any other type of gospels. It's Jesus' messages Jesus is the central focus of everything. And today I want to preach about something else, people. People are our passion, and that's our, our focus today. People are our passion. If you take our notes, you can, you can write that down. People are our passion. People are our passion. That's who we are. That's what we're passionate about. If someone wants to know, what is Vive passionate about? What, what are you passionate about? I'm passionate about uh, good muffins from Costco. Anybody love muffins today? <laughs> They all ran out really quick, you know. But, but more than that, I'm passionate about people. I want to be a church that loves people. God, one man asked God, how do I enter the kingdom of heaven? What do I need to do? God says, love God, love people. Simple as that. That's the summary of the entire gospel. Love God, love people. 
last week we talked about Jesus, our message, love God. We're, we're loving Jesus, and that's why we preach him. Today we're talking about people, loving people. People are not easy to love. How many, how many say it's hard to love people sometimes? Some people are like, I, I, I love everybody. You're like, I, I, no, I, you're a liar, okay? Because when someone's cutting you off in traffic and, 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 and they wave at you with a finger and, and you want to wave them back with another finger and, you know, thumbs up, you know, I mean, it, it changes your perspective. You know, today I, I want to ruffle some feathers. I know who I'm preaching to today, so I'm going to ruffle a lot of feathers today. And whoever's listening to this message later on, I, I want us to, to, to get this idea in our head, passion for people. So the question is, is why are we passionate for people? Simple as this. I'll give you a couple of reasons before I get into the message. Jesus was passionate about people. Simple as that. Jesus set the example for us and his passion for people. Anybody believe that today? Jesus had encounters. You look throughout the Gospels. He had encounters with people who would have been considered the outcasts of society. People that would have been hated. For example, Jesus ate with tax collectors. He had fun with the IRS. Um, how many hate paying taxes? I mean, honest, some of us. I mean, God bless you. I mean, God bless. <laughs> you know, I, I just got, when tax time is about to finish for some people here in Texas, and some people, there's two different types of people always say, the, the ones that, man, January 31st, they're ready to cash in, and then, you know, because you got a lot of kids, God bless you too, I love you. And those people that wait till the very last day, <laughs> I got to get an extension because, ooh, you know. Jesus loved tax collectors, and he ate with them. He called a guy named Matthew, his friend, his disciple. The religious leaders didn't understand this. These were people who were hated by society, that they were literally thieves, extortionists out of the people. For example, Jesus also ate with prostitutes, sinners. There's a woman by the name of Mary Magdalene who the Bible records as a woman that had seven demons inside of her. She was a woman that was known as a prostitute. She prostituted herself, sold her body um, to other people. This is a woman that Jesus loved and he hung out with. He encounters with people that were the outcasts of society. Jesus, in one moment, he, in John chapter 5, he stands up for an adulterous woman. She was caught in adultery, and they were about to stone her. And Jesus stands up and says, oh, wait, wait, wait. You who, 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 who has without sin cast the first stone. This is the Jesus I serve. Another occasion with the woman, there was a Samaritan woman. She was drinking at a well. In the middle of the day, meaning she was embarrassed because it was the hottest time of the day to go to the well, but she's an, a Samaritan woman, and Jews didn't associate themselves with Samaritans. It's, a, it's, it's black versus white, Nazi versus Jew, I mean, BOM versus MAGA. It's, it's the two extremes of people, of society, Jews and Samaritans, and Jesus is not afraid to cross the, the line, the culture barrier, and says, I'm going to associate with you and talk to you and have conversation with you. And the disciples were looking at Jesus. Who is Jesus talking to that woman? They thought Jesus was crazy. And this woman had a history. She had five affairs. She, I, mean, she, I mean, she had five husbands. I mean, she was a regular J-Lo. I mean, that's what, I mean, this is the kind of people Jesus hung out with. He had passion for people. Now, don't get me started. Jesus touched people, unclean people. The Jewish people were, were, were people that believed they were God's chosen people, and they were. But because of that, they had this mentality of clean and unclean that was established in the old covenant. And so if you were unclean, you don't associate with an unclean person. But Jesus touched the lepers. 
Jesus touched blind people. He touched paralyzed people. He touched the unclean. Some of us don't like to get dirty. But can I tell you, in life, working with people, people are messy. Everybody got quiet. People are, anybody knows some messy people? Some people are like, that was me. Messy. We preach a sermon on Mother's Day about messy mothers throughout the Bible. Messy people. And if our Jesus wasn't afraid to get messy, why are we so consumed to trying to stay clean? Jesus took the time to show mercy and compassion toward people. He spent time with people. He healed the blind, the mute, a man with a withered hand, the deaf. He healed paralytics. He healed a woman with an issue of blood, an unclean woman that touched him. He literally raised people from the dead on three different occasions. Unclean people, again, the dead. You don't touch the dead things. He spent time with these unclean people. The society that had this clear distinction between clean and unclean, Jesus wasn't afraid to get messy with people. Can I tell you, if we're going to grow this church, if we're going to be the church that, that, that is after the heart of Jesus, we can't be afraid to get messy with some people and, and get into people's lives and get in people. People are messy. They have drama. They have scandals. They have messed up stuff. I mean, they, they come from, uh, and some people are still working on their testimony. Some people have, have records. Some people can't vote in elections. Some people have been through some stuff. He got messy. He fed people with food, physically, met their physical needs. The Bible described them as sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion. He saw the people that they didn't have the food, and he met with them, and he fed them. And it says, the Bible says that he literally multiplied five loaves and two fish into food for 5,000. But we would have understand culturally that that was just the men. There were 15,000, 20,000 people. He fed people. Children. Now, here in our society today, I mean, some of you guys work with children or maybe work at a school. And the society today, you know, we, we, we have a very high regard for children in our society. To take care of them, making sure that the, the adequate per person is working and supervising kids at any daycare and, I mean, we, at any school. Making sure that, that there's safeguards around every place where children are at. But in the society, see, children, I mean, if you live to the age of five, you're, you are a miracle in itself. That, that was the society. If you live to the age of 10, you were an extra miracle. I mean, people in, died as infants, so people would have kids and kids and kids over and over again, you know, and if you, because there was diseases and different things. So, I mean, the, 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 the respect for kids, children, was not very high. A lot of kids ended up as, as orphans, too. In society. So when, when we understand, we read scriptures of where Jesus says, let the little children come to me. Jesus is establishing an order that didn't exist in that time where he put in a high expectation, a high importance on people. First, children, when that didn't exist in all society and humanity before that. Jesus, he commanded us. John chapter 15, verse 12 through 13. This, he gave us a command. John chapter 15, he says, my command is this, love each other as I've loved you. Love each other as I loved you. And he says, verse 13, he says, greater love has no one than this, 
to lay down one's life for his friends. Uh, he says like that, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. I, I can, can I tell you, God is, is commanding us today to love people, that we would be, have a love for each other just because he's loved us where we are at, where when we were messy, when we were a child, when we were, we, we've been through some affairs, we've been through all this stuff, all the scandals of our life. Jesus loved us, and because he loved us, our duty, our job is to love the people. He said, greater love is no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Putting your life before someone else's or putting someone else's life before yours. John 13 says it like this, verse 35. He says, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Can I tell you, how's the world gonna know we're different from everyone else? Because we have a love for each other, for people. This is the point we want to get across is that Jesus is encouraging us to love everyone, love people, love God, but love people. And this is where, this is where, we, where a lot of churches get it wrong, where, where they forget about the love for the people and only focus on themselves. Some people are like, man, I love everyone. I love everybody. But do you love people that have hurt you? Can you love people that have offended you? Can you love people even when, when, when they didn't like your Instagram photo? Can you love people when they blocked you? When they ghosted you, they can't text you back. I mean, do you still love them? Now, some of you, some of us might have some enemies. Some of you are like, no, nah, I don't got enemies. You know, Luke chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus said it like this, but love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the most high because he is kind. He is uh, to the ungrateful and the wicked. It says like that. So then your reward will be great and you will be the children of the most high. That means if you want to be my children, you got to love your enemies without expecting anything in return because he's kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Verse 36, he says, be merciful just as your father was merciful. Just as your father is merciful. See, if you're gonna if you're gonna love people, we have to know that God has loved us, and because He's loved us, He He wants us to love our enemies. Some of you are like, man, I don't have an enemy, but can I tell you, there are there's things that are inside of us sometimes that keep us away from loving certain groups of people. Can I tell you that that today more than ever before, we need a love for people that don't look like us? Can I tell you? Majority of us are Hispanic, but can I tell you, uh, we need to have a love for people that don't look like us. Anybody hear me today? There is a spirit of, of racism that still exists across the country today. Anybody hear me today? Anybody have witnessed what's happening? Now, I'm not one of those people that says everything is racist. No, I, I don't believe that. I don't, I don't, I, I, that, that. That's wrong there. But I believe that there's some inherent prejudices that exist sometimes in us against different groups of people because they have wronged us at one point because we live next door to them. They robbed us or they did something to us and we think that's how everybody is. And we're more guarded to love people and we treat people as our enemy when God says to love them. That's not the church. In Romans 2.11 says it like this, for God does not show favoritism. Some of you pretend like God shows favorites. Some of you think that your favor is just for you. Some of you think the grace of God is just for you. 
that there's a limit and, and it's already maxed out and it's only for you or the people that are already here. No, there's so much more that God wants to reach out because verse 12 says it like this, Romans 2, 12, all who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law and all who sin under the law will be judged by the law, meaning we're all sinners that are saved by grace. Not a single one of us is perfect. Every single one, God is not showing favoritism to nobody. All of us need Jesus. We all need a God in our life. So what happens? How do we get it wrong? What happens with us is that sometimes, I mean, we see all these examples of, of scripture. Of course, Jesus is telling us to love people. Of course. But the problem is, is that we get it wrong a lot. I mean, this is a problem with the church a lot of times. How many ever been, I mean, I grew up in church my entire life, but I've seen the ugliness of the church. How many of you ever felt the ugliness of the church? Have you ever walked into a church and felt judged? You felt like someone was looking at you and like, oh, I can't, I, I can't be in that room. You felt the tension, cut it with the knife, cut it with your finger, you know. Some people don't like the church. They get all caught up because church says this and this and that. What's wrong with the church? I'll tell you a couple of reasons. And this is before I get really into the heart of the message. Problem, problem with church is, uh, is that we often let our prejudices get in the way. We have our preconceived ideas of people. I mean, the disciples often, and even the religious leaders, this is who Jesus fought with more than any before. It's always the religious people, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. And they would look at Jesus because Jesus sat with prostitutes. He sat with tax collectors. And they would say, what's wrong with Jesus? Why is he with such and such people? Can I tell you, I, I, I don't want to be the type of person that, that smells so good that I can't be with people that need Jesus. I don't want my prejudice to get in the way because this is what happens is, is when our prejudice gets in the way, our preconceived idea of a person and we think, oh, that person's not going to get saved. I'm not even going to invite them. Why even bother talking to that person? Then already, we've already said no to someone and we're, we're damning them to hell by our actions, by not wanting to cross cultural barriers. Like I talked about racism, I, I believe in, in celebrating diversity and that's gonna be one of our, our core values. And when we get to that, I'm, I, wanna, I wanna disrupt a lot of things in us because here, I don't see Vibe Church as a Hispanic church. I love Hispanic people, I love Latinos, but I see this church as more than that. Uh, as a demonstration, I wanna look like what Houston looks like. Houston is the fourth largest city in the nation right now. And, and within 10 years, it'll surpass Chicago as the third largest city. It's growing every day. Can I tell you, you know why we need to love people? Because this city loves people and, and more people are coming to the city. Did you know that every year, okay, there's about 6 million people that live in the city in the metro area, but every single day, Houston grows by 250 new people. 250 new people are coming to Houston every single day. That's the growth rate of the city of Houston, meaning that's a new church that is, that, that is needing and we're, and we're lacking the room for, and this is why we, we the church, because if, if we don't attract the people, then other things will. There's so many things out there in Houston today that will love people, that will promote love, and sometimes it's not even the church. And here's the problem is with us is that we gotta let our prejudices put, do, put, go to the side. I mean, a lot of us, we, we get our prejudices in the way, we get our religiosity in the way. Sometimes we're too busy um, with, with our religious uh, way we, of doing things, our traditions, the way we did it. Oh, that's the way we always did it before. That's the way I, I grew up in. Oh, that's the way I was. Can I tell you, the, the most difficult people in the church are the religious people, the church people. It's never the people who are new to church. 
that you have to have problems with, it's, it's oftentimes it's the most religious people. Can I tell you something? Does anybody feel me today? I, I, am I being too real? Because, I mean, Matthew 7, 5, Jesus called out the religious people and said, you hypocrite. I mean, first take the plank out of your own eye. Before you, you, you then you, you will see clearly remove the speck from your brother's eye. Meaning you're more worried about someone's toothpick and you got this big old piece of lumber in your eye. You're calling out their problems and then you're getting offended at them. I mean, I say this a lot. Andy Stanley says it like this. You know, the reason why, why the people on the outside don't want to come inside is because the people on the inside act worse than the people on the outside. I'm fed up with religious people fighting religious battles. I want to win lost people. Anybody hear me today? Uh, if, if, if you're looking for religion, there's a door. Let the door not hit you in the back as you're walking out. But if you want to win lost people, welcome home. This is your church. I'm not here to dress up and say, oh, I'm cute. I look good. I'm, everything's good. And pretend like I've never been saved by grace. I want a people that, be, that seek and save the lost. I want people, diversity, not just in race, but economic divide. Rich and poor. I mean, the neighborhood we're in, you pull up Zillow or Har or whatever, you will see houses that cost way more than I could ever afford in this little zip code. But at the same time, you'll see houses on the wrong side of the tracks in the very same zip code. You'll see Salvation Army apartment homes. You'll see people that, I mean, that are moving in every single day and I want people. I want, I want to be people that love people no matter who they are, no matter where they come from, not just because they're the, the ideal people that we want. I want the people that no one wants. Tommy Barnett said it like this, if you go after the people no one wants, you'll get the people everyone wants. And I'll tell you this, I, I, I want this to be a model for a church of, of churches that people can see that there's something different of us, that we're, we're going after people that no one would even care for, that we would love on people, not be, not be religious to them, not, not to be hypocritical, but to genuinely have a love and a compassion for them. Because religion keeps us from loving people. Like I've told this many times, it's not about a religion, it's about a relationship with God. Our priority oftentimes is not in the right place. I, I'm reminded about the parable of the Good Samaritan. Some of you know this. You know, before the Good Samaritan came up to him and helped the man that was on the side of the road, there was two religious people that said, I don't have time for this. This is the problem. You don't make time for people. When you see your own people dying, then now someone else has to come and help them out. Our priority is not in the right place. I mean, Philippians 2 Three through four, it says it like this. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Some of you need humility lessons. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of others. Some people are easy to get offended. And I, I want to be at a church that, man, doesn't get offended out just because something didn't come their way. Because, oh, you know what? Oh, man, someone's sitting in my seat. Someone's sitting in my chair. Oh, someone's, uh, someone grabbed the muffin before I wanted to get the muffin. Like, you know, I mean, I don't want us to be that type of church. No, we're the church where our honor code says we had a growth track. And one of the points I said, we give up our seats. If these chairs fill up, you know what? I'm helping someone else out. Let's pull some more chairs out. You know, I can sit on the bleachers. I can stand because there's people that need to know Jesus. This is who we are. This is who we are. 
church. There's people that need Jesus. I'm not focused on our own interest. I'm grateful for the people that come and help put this together. Several of us get here early in the morning, 7.30. Some of us a little bit more, you know, 7.30, 5, 8, you know, 8.30, you know. But the interest is not our own interest. It's not to toot our own horn. Because as people, the work that we do is to save the people that will come for you. It's about us saving people and being the ones that, that leading people to Jesus. And I want to have a passion for people. This month is June. And does anybody know what, what gets celebrated in the month of June for a lot of people? Anybody? Juneteenth? Close, but what? Father's Day? Okay. I, I, want, I want to summarize it with one word. Pride. And that might trigger some people in this room because not everybody celebrates pride. I'll be honest with you. I mean, June 1st, you wake up one morning and then all of a sudden, every business organization and government authority has a rainbow somehow made under profile picture on Facebook, Instagram, and making a post. I mean, uh, city of Houston was lit up yesterday in, 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 in rainbow colors. I mean, even, you know, you drive down 59 in Montrose area. I mean, things have been painted all over the place because of pride to celebrate the LGBTQ and the rest of the alphabet letters that, that are involved in that. And I don't say that to make fun, but here's, here's, my, here's where, I, where, I, where I'm in this. Now, I'm bold in what I believe in. I, we have a doctrine. We believe that the Bible says that marriage is between one man and one woman. Simple as that. I'm not going to argue with that. That's something we firmly believe. That's marriage is between one man and one woman. That's how God designed it from, from the Garden of Eden. And it, it was always, uh, it's always over and over again in throughout scripture. You cannot battle that. But what we believe, hear me, hear me closely to this. What we believe shouldn't prohibit us from loving the people that don't agree with us. And what society teaches us, this is what society is telling us. If you don't agree with me, then you must hate me. That's one of the greatest lies that the enemy has used. If you don't agree with me, if you're not on my party, if you're not in my, if you're not in my left or right, if, you're not, if you don't agree with me, then you must hate me. That is the lie from an enemy. There's people that I don't love. There's someone that's dear to my heart um, in my family that, that I was talking to a few, a few weeks ago and getting to know them. And, you know, she's an active believer in this lifestyle. She's, she's an active lesbian. Um, and I love her to death. And she discovered, it's like, hey, I found out you're a pastor. And she called me one day and she's, you know, she's like, hey, you know, you're, I heard you mention you're a pastor. You know, you, you, you do this and everything. You're Christian. I, I'm not sure where I believe in. And this is, and this is what she said to me. She says, I, I, I know you say you're that. So she asked me the million dollar question. Like, how, how do you feel about us people? Like, aren't my people? Like, straight up, you just straight up, like, ask me. I'm like, oh, man. I, I, was, I was trying to make dinner. I was, I was like, man, what, what am I doing? Like, I, I, was not, I, was not even, I wasn't expecting that call. It was like a couple weeks ago. And I told her, I said, you know what? You and everyone else are no different. We're all sinners. And your sin, I mean, every sin is sin. I mean, we're, we, and, and the fact is when we come to church, whether you're a sin of a homosexual or you're a sin of, of, of pride or a sin of gossip, man, we all need a savior of Jesus Christ. 
And I tell you one thing, I love, and I, before I even said that, I said, I love you no matter what. There's nothing that's going to change that love. It's unconditional, and I love you so much, and I want you to know that you're welcome into my home at any time you want. You can bring your girlfriend. Man, you can, you can do this. And you know what? If you ever came to my church one day, I don't care if you hold hands. You can come and sit here, and, and because I love church, I love people, I love anyone that comes, and if you want to hear God's word, you're welcome home. Welcome home is not just something we say, it's someone, something we do. I might, affer- I, I might not believe in this, I might not agree with you, that doesn't mean I hate you. And just because someone comes one time, see, the, the Christians get it wrong. And, 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 and if you go to a pride parade, you're going to see these Christians with picket signs and, and, and condemning people to hell. I want to be the Christian hands out bottle of water. I want to be the Christian that hands out, uh, man, you know what? Man, here's a Vive t-shirt. Jesus loves gay people. Anybody agree with me? I, I want to have passion for people and not just say welcome home to the people that I like, the people that make me comfortable. No, I want to welcome home people that make me uncomfortable and make religious people even more upset. Anybody hear me today? Anybody b- believe this? You know, I might not agree with some people. Doesn't mean I hate you. And you might come once and nothing happens. Keep coming. So what do we do now? What's the challenge? And this is where I want you to commit to this as a church. I want us to be different in this sentiment. I want us to believe this. Four things I want, I want, I want us to do. Four actions. Number one, love people where they're at. Love people where they're at. So many times we focus on people coming to us. We need to go to them. We need to find them where they're at. You, you, already, ha- you already know where they're at. They're at your job. They're at your work. They're at your school. They're in your family. They're in your community. They're, they're, they're next door to you. Some of you are like, well, I, I, don't, I don't run into people. No, then find people. The greatest offense you could do is not have friends that are not, Christ- that, that are all, to have, not have friends that are not Christian. Like, th- this is something that God convicted me about 10 years ago. Because I was in church, traveling, preaching, doing all this stuff, and all my friends were Christian, except for people in my family, like people that were related to me, you know? The worst thing you can do is just hang out with a bunch of Christians all day and and only have Christian friends and Christian people in your life. We need people in our life that are not Christian. Go to to where they're at. Love on them. You know, and that's why, man, I I love going to the gym. I don't look like I go to the gym, but I go to the gym. <laughs> Only one person laughed. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, you know, because I interact with people. I interact with my barber. I interact with, you know, um, you know, I, I love people. I, I, you know, I, I love being with people where they're at. You know, be with them. Everyone is on a journey. Everyone has a story. I, I say that all the time. Everyone has a story. Some people are taking a little longer to get to the story. Some people are still working on their testimony. Some people are still, I mean, some people are still going through some stuff. Have patience, have grace, have mercy, have, be understanding with people. People are often fighting battles we know nothing about. That's the honest truth. We don't know what it took for someone to get to, even to this place to walk into this room and what frustration they had to even get to church. And the very first time they come to church, when they finally walk in here, we can even leave them the best impression or the worst impression. And, 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 and here, when, when people come here, I, I, I'm not worried about, oh, okay, are we hospitable? No, it's how we made them feel. 
Did we trigger emotions that were positive when someone came here? I, I want to love people where they're at in life. If someone doesn't want a hug, I don't give them a hug. If someone doesn't want, I mean, I'm here just to be where they're at with whatever journey they're on. Number two, invest in people. Invest in people. Starts by investing your time. Spend time with people. That's the most important thing. If you have nothing else to give, give them your time. One of the most therapeutic things you can ever do is, so, is say these words. Hey, bro, can I invite you to lunch? Sometimes that's the most important thing you can say to someone. And we're like, man, I can take them to a restaurant. Or you can invite them into your home and say, welcome home. Here's my home. Let me cook some carne guisada. Let me cook some mole. Let me cook some, you know, fajitas, you know, whatever. If you don't know how to cook, then let's order in some pizza. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get my mom to cook, you know. <laughs> like, invest in people. Invite them. Invest financially. A lot of people have problems with this. Be generous. If you know someone in the church is struggling and you can see that they're struggling, they will never tell you that they're struggling. But if you see that you see them, I mean, if it's a single mom, if you someone, maybe someone has lost a loved one, maybe someone you, they've been in the hospital, they maybe had some hospital bills, maybe maybe you see someone with, with, that has just lost their job, invest and be generous. One of our core values is also about generosity. It's our privilege. If God has blessed you and you know who you are, if God has blessed you and you have a little bit extra to give, give because it costs you nothing. Invest into the mission. A lot of people say, well, if I give, I won't have enough. Can I tell you, you can never outgive God. Invest into people. Invest your resources. What's your resources? Do you have a skill? Do you have a talent that you have that, that, that can help someone out? Maybe, maybe you know how to, maybe you know how to help, them, help someone around the house. Maybe you're a handyman. Maybe you're a plumber. Maybe, maybe you have an extra couple skills and you see an, uh, uh, a widow. You see an elderly person in our church. You see a single mom that is struggling. Help them out. Maybe you're a mechanic. I pray that God will raise up mechanics that, that will be able to serve the community and serve single mothers. Anybody hear me today? Invest your resources. Man, maybe you work somewhere where you know you can hook someone up with a job. Maybe you work somewhere and you know you, they got a little bit extra that they can, they're giving away this stuff. They're, they're, they're getting rid of some stuff and maybe, maybe they're getting rid of furniture and you know a family that, th that just lost their home and they need a place, uh, they need furniture. Maybe, maybe that's something that you can fulfill with the resources that you have. Do you have a home? Do you have a car? People might not have a ride. People are too embarrassed to ask. You have connections that you can assist someone. You know, I'm grateful for some of the people that work in social services in our church that can help people find jobs, that they can help people um, apply for things. We're a family and we're a community and because we're passionate about people, the resources that we have, we will invest them and we give away because I know that God's gonna bless us with more and more and more. First John says it like this, verse three. I mean, chapter three, verse 16. So this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Listen to that. 
Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Dear children, let us not love with just words or speech, but with actions and truth. Meaning, I don't want to just say welcome home. I want to really mean it. I don't want to just say I'm passionate for people. No, I really want to do something for people. I want to invest time in the people. I want to be with people. I want to love people right where they're at in their store, in the middle of what's going on in their life. And I want to be with them and show with my actions. This is the problem with churches is that we get it wrong a lot of times because we say we love people. We love people, but we never do anything for people. We say we love our community. We say we love the missions. We love the world, but we need to actually do something with it. And some people people are waiting for the pastor to do it. So people are waiting for the, the leadership to organize something. No, come up with something yourself. You can do it. You have the power. Imagine what you can do when you have a heart that's willing to serve. You have abilities in you that you don't even know that you have. And God and his spirit can empower you to help you to love and invest in people. I'm about to finish. Number three, listen to people. Listen to people. Listen to people. When, when you spend time with people, make the time meaningful and intentional. One of the problems that w- why we don't connect with people is because we connect with this. Am I speaking to someone? This generation sometimes doesn't know how to have a conversation with anyone because you're so glued in front of your phone. And when you're in front of someone at a table, if you could just throw this away for a second and listen to the person that's in front of you, look them in the eyes. And love them. Hear their story. You will begin to hear things from them. Their story. Like I've mentioned, everybody has a story. And I'm about to finish. If we get the worship team, help me. Everyone has a story. Everyone's been on a journey. Everybody's on a journey right now. Everybody's fighting battles. And I want to pray that we can listen to people and listen to their story and walk with them. And and I want to hear every single time, if, if if I've ever had an opportunity to go have lunch or dinner with you, my wife and I, we love to do that with a lot of people. And if we haven't scheduled that, then we love to do that. But as you come to the church, we, we love to create the opportunity where we can just talk to people. And we want to just listen to what your story is. We want to know where you're at. We want to know your frustrations, your fears, your anxieties, your, your, what, what, maybe your goals. Maybe it doesn't always have to be negative. It can be positive. What are your goals? What are your wishes? What are your dreams? What are you working on? Are you going to school? Are you, are you, are you, are you, you know, trying to look for a new job? I want to listen to people. I want to listen to people and actually hear with them and hear what they said and put my put phone away, put everything because that's when, when I listen to people, that's when people open up and that's what, that's when things begin to change. I want to be the person, and this is what a problem happens, the problem happens with all of us. It happens in the church all the time. Hopefully not in this church. We get up, service is over. Some people love to hit the door. Walk in, you know, hit the door. You're like, I'm, I'm, I'm rev up. Some of you are like, oh man, I need to stick around for a little bit. You know, no, it's okay. No, no pressure. But here's what happens with a lot of people, even church people, and this happens all the time. We love to do what we call small talk. You know what small talk is, right? It's, hey, what's up? How you doing? Mwah, mwah, mwah. I love you. Bye. You know, just chit chat. Okay, work was good. All right, cool. All right, see you. Bye. Lunch is ready. Gotta go. Small talk. Small talk is not gonna get anywhere with anyone. Small small talk is not gonna change lives. Because here's what happens. 
We ask the question, how are you doing? And what does it mean? We don't really want to know how they're doing. Because if they told us how we're do- they're doing, we'd be there for a while. We just want to know that they're, they're okay. How are you doing? Hey, brother, sister, how are you doing? Oh, I'm all right. Do we really want to know what, what's going on in their life? Or are we just saying, how are you doing? To get by. I want us to be a, a church that listens to people. What are you going through? What's happening in your life? Is this something that you need prayer for? What's happening? So for some people, it's not that complicated. For some people, it could be like, you know what, man, I hurt my, myself at work this week. Can you pray for me? Oh, I, 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 uh, I'm looking for a new job. Man, I, I, they cut my hours. Man, for some people, it gets even harder than that. It's, man, I'm, I'm struggling with my kids. One of my kids ran away from home or, or I'm struggling with this. I, 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 me and my wife, we've been fighting. We've been arguing. We're, we're, we're about to give up on this. This is our last opportunity to come to church. And, and we said, God, if we don't get it right, then it's, that's it. If you really love people and you're passionate about people, you're gonna listen to what people are saying and talk to them and hear them out, invite them out to lunch, sit with them and say, what's wrong with you? What's hurting inside of you? And, and can I tell you, who's responsible for discipleship? I asked this question in our Vive group. All of us, all of us. The pastor's not the only one that's responsible to disciple people. And that's where we get it wrong because we want to depend on the pastor and the leaders of the church, the disciples. No, all of us. If God has made you, if you converted to God and say, God, I'm here and I'm serving you, then you're responsible to bring people alongside the journey with you and be able to mentor and have relationship with other people. So discipleship is not just a pastor's job. Discipleship is you breaking bread and hanging out with people and talking to them, inviting them into your home, listening to their story, investing into them pouring into them. If you're, if you're a mom, look for younger moms. If you're a dad, look for younger dads. It, you know, and Paul had his, his Timothy. Paul also had his Silas, people that were alongside him in the journey. People that were right beside him on the same level. If you're a parent and you've been a parent for a little while, help other parents. If you're, if you're someone who graduated college, help the college kid out. We're investing and we're listening to people and we're walking with people on their journey. Because number four, here's what we do. We empathize with people. We empathize. What does that word empathy mean? It means we're sharing feelings and connection with them. We're, we're, we're sharing their sentiments with them. We're being intentional about being with them. I want to teach you three words today. Apathy, sympathy, and empathy. Very similar, but different. You can write them down, look them up later. Apathy means I don't care. I don't have interest in what's going on. Hey, you do you, I do me. Have fun with that. You know, <laughs> don't get your problems mixed up with mine. Like, you know, that's apathy. How many of you ever felt that way? Someone felt like that to you. You're bawling your eyes out. Oh, I got a lot of problems. Ooh, have fun with that. <laughs> that's apathy. Sympathy is kind of like empathy, but, but, but it's different. When you have sympathy with, with someone, when you're sympathetic with people, that means you're taking pity or sorrow for them. That means saying, I, I'm with you, bro. I love you, man. Bless you. Kind of, they, they've been through a struggle, they've been through a fight, and you're kind of there for them. And that's it. You know, it's like, 
you sympathize. Hey, man, I feel, I feel for you. And that's where things stop. But when you have empathy with people, it goes a step further. Their problems become your problems. Their pain becomes their pain, your pain. Their victories become your victories. Their, your, their struggle become your struggle. You're, you're like, bro, you're not in this by, by yourself. I've been through this before. Man, I, I know how you feel. I'm with you right now in the process and I'm with you. Let me hold your hand. Let me pray with you in the process. And I'm gonna, and not only just pray with you right now, I'm gonna check up on you tomorrow. I'm gonna call you next week. I'm gonna go to your house. Let's hang out. Let's spend some time together. Because here's the problem, the greatest ministry is follow-up. It's one thing to pray for someone right in the moment, but then a week later, can you still remember to pray for that person and follow up with them? That's empathy. You come into their world and their problems become your problems and you come in and, and this, is what, this is the model and this is the value of what I believe the church is supposed to be about and this is who we are. If we want to see this church grow, I want to see people come to this church and they feel that there's a body of people that empathize with them, that love them, that see who, them who they are. They walk on a journey with them and they say, I love you so much. I'm here with you, brother. Does anybody hear me today? I want to have a passion for people. Why do we do this? I mean, you know, John, you know, I mean, James says it like this, 127. James says it like this, religion that our God, our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. A pure and perfect religion you're looking after the orphans and the widows, the least fortunate people. Here's what I desire in this church is that we would have a passion for people, not our own interests, that we would not just be a, a church that, is, that says that we love people, that we actually act on it and we do it and serve it, serve people. And I'm looking at people here today I want to be a church of broken people. Church that says, I, I don't have it together. This is, a, this is not a church for perfect people. This is a church for imperfect people. That's, we serve a perfect God. And I want to be a church that demonstrates that love every single day over and over again. That when people walk in this room, they can sense that there's something different about us. And when we go to work and we, when we go to live on our lives, they still see that difference in us, a passion for people. How many want that passion today? Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'll ask this. Everyone here watching online, if you need a prayer request, if you have a prayer request today and you need prayer, I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray that God is with you today. Send us a message and we'd love to pray for you. Everyone here in this room, I think I wanna give you an invitation. Maybe your heart hasn't loved Jesus like it should. And because you don't love Jesus like you should, you don't love people like you should. I wanna ask you this question. Do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Now, I'm not asking you if you go to church. I'm asking you, do you know Jesus? Do you love him? So I'm gonna ask you this question here today. If, if you're here today and you're like, man, I, I need Jesus in my life. I need to find a love for his people. 
would you just lift up your hand with me and just say, you know what, George, pray with me. I, I, need, I need Jesus in my life. I, I need him to renew my heart, my, my love for people, my, my love for, I, I'm tired of, I, I don't, I don't want to think this way about people. I, the world tells me to have all these opinions about people, certain groups of people. But I just want to love people and have a passion for them. Anyone here today say, I, I, I just want to love people today. I'm going to invite you to stand this morning. Today, as we close, I want to invite you to come worship here with us as well. I want us to pray to God today and I want us to worship God. I want to invite you to lift up your hands and I'm going to extend an invitation to this altar. Why do we come in the altar? Because this is a place where we die to ourselves and it's about God. I invite you to come out of your seat and the band is going to lead us in worship. And let's just sing to God this morning. God bless you. And there we are. Just start inviting the Lord into this place and just give thanks to him for everything he's done. It's hard sometimes to show love to people, but we can do all things in Christ.